Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, and today I am not with Mark. That's like the first podcast I don't do with Mark in a while, and that's the first I do with Perrin in a while. How's it going, Perrin? It's pretty good. How are you? Not bad. Just uh, getting tired. It's like winter. Look, summer is tiring. Winter is in Game of Thrones right now, but summer is in Budapest right now, <laughs> and it's uh, a little bit tiring. So I'm actually looking forward to like get back to work properly. Which, well, you've uh, had a lot going on in your life too. Yes, <laughs> quite a lot. Well, it's like you had festivals. You're buying a house. Yeah, that's like a whole podcast that's coming as a as a special for Christmas or something, you know, for like the state of my life. But today we're going to do <laughs> something a little bit different. We're actually, we're kind of like coining a term a la Backlinko. So we're going to call it a postcast, which is essentially a podcast like you usually get every week, although we haven't been very regular this summer. Hopefully that's going to get much better from September, where we essentially, you know, take a blog post that we've released recently and you know kind of comment on it add information and have a discussion about it so essentially it's a companion podcast in that case the real life example of successful affiliate sites and we're going to talk mostly about sites on the post but we're going to talk about one more actually and that is not talked about on the post so we're not just reading the the post we're actually going to talk about these things and how we feel and things that you can improve like you can use from these sites etc so Perry and I are essentially going to go through, uh, there's like five sites, I think, and just give you a bunch of tips and tricks on things we found when we were researching these sites, how we think they can grow, like the things that they could do to actually get bigger, and the knowledge you can use from these sites to essentially you know, improve your own website. Do you actually want to start? Because I know you have three and a half, too, so... Yeah, I think maybe we should talk about first, though, like why we wrote this blog post in the first place and what's the value of looking at other highly successful authority sites. Because a lot of our audience really are beginners. A lot of the people who buy our products are beginners. So in your view, Gail, why would you look at huge sites like this and what's the value there? I mean, I like to like be ambitious with whatever project I start. You know, like, first of all, I'm like, well, you know, if you're aiming to make $1,000 a month and you fail, you're going to make like $100 a month, right? If you're aiming to make 100 k a month and you fail, you're going to make 10 k a month. So I, I like to just be quite ambitious just because that gives me so much more room for failure and aiming for this really high stuff allows me to essentially make decisions differently. Also, you know, much safer in business usually to emulate what's working already versus coming up with something brand new. Very few people come up with something brand new. However, you know, the other side of that coin is, you know, pure copycats, people taking a website and ripping off every single keyword it ranks for and, like, ripping off the whole site structure and everything. I don't think that's healthy either, but, like, it's good to inspire yourself. And third, I think it's, like, the best way to learn about online marketing. I think I was talking with Tim Solo the other day, and I was like, yeah, like, despite the fact that we run a blog, I think People would learn sometimes a lot more about online marketing, just like looking at other big sites versus reading online marketing blogs, rehashing the same stuff all the time. And so, yeah, that's why I like looking at these big sites, essentially. How about you? Yeah, for me, it's a philosophical exercise. You know, it's like if I'm learning about math, what I want to be doing is finding interesting math problems. And for the sites we're going to talk about today, one of the reasons we pick them is because they're all doing something differently. So it's not just a standard affiliate site. When we're out there building affiliate sites, it's pretty easy to just get stuck in the same old formula. And that's what we see a lot when we are looking or when we see our student sites and stuff is that they just all kind of look the same. So one of the things I like to do to grow my own game personally is to look at these big sites and to see what they are doing that's truly different, truly innovative, truly unique, because I don't have to do the experimenting. Somebody else is doing it. It's also honestly just fun for me. I know we're both internet marketing geeks, and when I come across these sites, it's just fun to look at them. All the sites I'm going to talk about today, I wrote about because they are sites that I have visited as a user, and I love them, and I use them, and I go back to them all the time. So... It's also just fun for me. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that that post was basically written by both you and me. 
Like yeah. initially I wrote it and then you updated it recently. So yeah, that's why it's actually authored by me on the site still, but like you refreshed it recently. So that's why you mentioned like you wrote about it. Okay. So let's just stop the philosophical stuff and get into the actual site stuff. And I'll let you start because as I said, you have three and I have two. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the first one on the list. What is the first one on the list? First one on the list is one of my favorite affiliate sites. It's an old site that's been around for quite a while. And when it started, it was a really, really simple site. It's called PCPartPicker.com. So can you see the version you, one on, um, on archive.org? I think you can. And we can probably put a link in the show notes. But essentially what it was to start, if I'm remembering correctly, I don't have a pull up in front of me right now. But if I'm remembering correctly, when it started, it was basically just some guy's kind of hobby to put together a list of good current PC parts. And it was basically just like a one page site and you could kind of pick the things or it would like list out current PC parts and you could buy them on Amazon. And he was mostly just sharing it with people on Reddit and stuff. Right. Mm. Since then it's grown to this massive site that has a ton of custom built tools that are really great. Loads and loads of guides. And I think the stats on it here are the stats. The traffic according to similar web, which usually overestimates traffic, but it tends to be the most accurate of all the traffic estimation tools. Traffic according to similar web is about 12.4 million. It has 33,000 Facebook fans, like 52,000 followers on Twitter. So most of the traffic is coming from organic or not most of the traffic, but of traffic and social. Most of it's coming from organic. One of the things I really like about the site, though, is that the bulk of the overall traffic comes from direct sources. That means people are typing it in or sharing the links. Yeah, I think it comes from like forums and stuff like that. Basically, I mean, I guess yeah. that's referral. A lot of forums have like anonymizers for links as well, so still possible it's referred to as direct traffic because of that. I'm actually looking at the site in 2011 right now, and that was literally like a basic saying like uh, recent systems and just the price drops and it was just like monitoring the prices, but it was really not a lot. There was like seven categories and that's it. Yeah, it's very, very, very basic. And now, and I think the traffic has increased quite a bit, even from when we wrote the article or published the article. So when we wrote it, it was like 12.4 million and now it's 13.8 million. Of that 13.8 million, over a half, it's like 57% of the traffic comes from direct and referral mm. sources. So one of the things I like about that is that it's not just an SEO play. And if you look at the site, you can probably tell this pretty quickly, but it's just highly, highly useful. It's a resource that people will go back to and plug into their computers all the time by themselves. And I know that because aside from it being direct and referral traffic, I did it. I just built a PC. And when I was thinking about which parts I needed, I went straight to PC Part Picker. I opened my browser, I typed it into the URL bar, and I went there on my own so that I could use the site. So I should probably explain what the site does. PC Part Picker, the goal of the site is to list parts that you can build a PC with. It will check for compatibility, and then you can check prices at various retailers so that you can find a really good combinations of part for a really good price. So people who are interested in building their own computers, a lot of times that's for gaming, but they're also just hobbyists who do it. They can go to the site and they can use it. The main achievement of PCPartPicker.com as an affiliate site, though, is this tool that helps people find sites. It's not necessarily content, although they do have some content. The main achievement, though, is building this fantastic tool, which really just started as a curation back in the day when it was essentially a one-page site listing price drops and that sort of thing. Now, it's a full-blown, fully developed tool where you can set filters and that kind of thing. Another cool thing about PC Part Picker, aside from that tool, is that it combines that great tool with custom builds put together by experts. So these are kind of in the form of guides, right? But new computer parts are coming out all the time. People want to know how to integrate them into systems or what other components might work with those. So they have expert writers on staff who are real experts and they're writing about 
builds, how you can put together these parts with other parts, where they work, what they're good for, where they don't. So they've got this awesome tool on one side. On the other side, they're having experts helping you put stuff together. Okay, but like that's like a super advanced custom tool. So how do people actually use that to build websites? Like let's say I'm starting and I have a couple thousand dollars to spend on building a new website. Like how is that useful? Yeah, so there are a couple different ways you could do it on a budget. And I don't think you have to build a tool that's exactly like PC Part Picker. But conceptually, the lesson you would be taking away here is that providing something that is highly useful to consumers in your niche can be a source of affiliate sales in itself. It can be a way to build links, etc. If you did want to emulate something like PC Part Picker's tool, you can use a couple simple WordPress plugins, and I explain this more in the blog post, but stuff like the WooCommerce plugin. You could create product pages and use WooCommerce filters. And there's also some additional plugins that work in a similar way. They're mostly built for e-commerce, but they can work for standard blog posts or standard like product type pages. And we list those in the blog post that's a companion to this podcast. So most of us are in niches where there are lots of physical products. You know, maybe we're in the dog space and we want to help people pick the best dog food. You can install a couple simple WordPress plugins and help people do that and make that an entire section on your site. So it is a way you can do it, but you don't have to. Conceptually, the idea is that being highly useful to people will get them coming back to your site. Yeah, so it's more like a way... Like, you know, it's like I had a question in my head where I was like, okay, that's great, but is that better than writing best explorer articles, you know? I guess it really depends on your goal, right? If you really want to, like, stick around and probably get links as an affiliate site, like, it's almost like you're link building. You're building... If you're, like, a pure review site, which a lot of people tend to do these days, we don't recommend you do that, but a lot of people tend to do that, then I guess building this kind of, like, faceted navigation, which actually John Dijkstra talks a lot about lately as well. Essentially, like, it makes it useful for the industry, especially if it doesn't exist in your industry. There's plenty of B2C niches outside of tech that don't have that kind of, like, easy, faceted navigation that mixes price comparison. So not you selling on your own e-commerce, so you can really offer the best price with things that go well together. I'm thinking about, like, kitchen sets, etc. You could probably do that for that. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. And there's a lot of WordPress plugins that allow you to build this kind of navigation probably not as good as pc part picker but as a first version it's kind of okay and i think that site is also a good lesson in the sense that you know really big sites spawn from really basic sites i was also checking it's not in the list today so i can talk about it runnerclick.com which is mm -hmm. like that crazy runner gear review site it's probably like one of the best made review sites out there but if you actually put them in archive.org you see that they literally started on the default WordPress theme and just writing buying guides. So I think that site is also a good inspiration together with PC Part Picker on how big sites get started with small ones. Yeah, and also just the idea of choice is something that you could apply in various ways. So for example, you we like Thrive stuff and Thrive has a quiz builder and there's nothing to say that like you know people are coming to your site, for example, in my case, to find dog food for their dog. You could build a quiz that says, like, how old is your dog, how much they weigh, et cetera, et cetera, and then point them to a review after they get done with the quiz that shows them a good dog food. So it doesn't have to be a tool. It can just be helping people find what they need in a creative way that lets them input their own information, you know. So there are lots of ways to take the idea behind PC Park Picker and apply it. Yeah, the quiz we is a good idea, actually. Like, we're actually trying it on... I mean, I've built some for Atari Hacker. We haven't put them on the site yet, but, you know, the effort reviews we do? It's like, I'm actually building quizzes like, hey, what, what's the best keyboard tool for you? And then people answer, like, 10 questions. And it says, okay, you should get Ahrefs, so you should get Keyword Finder or whatever. And it's like, I think, you know, I haven't tested it yet, so I can't say it's going to be perfect, but I think in terms of conversion on these key pages, it's going to be great, actually. Yeah, and it's a way for you to be the expert. And also quizzes are highly engaging. And with stuff like 
Thrive Quiz Builder and other platforms. You can even put these in line in your content so that you can write about the best keyword tool and then you can have a quiz pop up or put it in the content that helps people pick. So it's another way to engage people, maybe increase conversions, people who are already reading these articles. So we also have this section in our notes called How Could They Grow? And it's another exercise we like to do with these sites. So they've got this amazing site, highly successful. What could they be doing differently or what could they be doing additionally to make a little bit more money? So with PC Part Picker, I think they could be doing some really basic SEO stuff that they are missing. A lot of us already know it's probably one of the first things we would all be doing, but they are not doing. So for example, they're ranking for lots of part keywords and they are not targeting the word review in any of them. And by just slapping review onto these parts, I think they could be generating tons more traffic for people looking for reviews for specific parts. Super, super easy. They also have a really well-organized site, but they don't have any content on these really powerful silo pages. So if you go to PC Part Picker, you can look at, for example, the CPU category. Mm-hmm. And they've got this great page with lots of links, and you can go find a CPU. There's no content on it to speak of. If they added just a little bit of content, 500 words explaining what you can do with the CPU, what it is or whatever... I think they could be generating lots of traffic. So I think they're missing some really basic SEO stuff. And I imagine that's because it didn't start as an SEO project. It started as basically one guy's hobby. He was sharing it with other PC enthusiasts. The other idea I had for them that's a little bit outside of the box is that they could kind of go the new egg route. I don't know if anybody knows new egg, but basically they kind of do the same thing. They help people pick good computer parts, but they're more of an e-commerce solution. And a lot of times what they do, and I don't know this for sure, I'm just guessing, you can buy computers on there and either they sell them themselves or they help you buy them through third parties. But judging on the prices that I see from them versus other people, I think they mostly just break even. But what they do sell is warranties that are like 170 bucks. So I think PC Part Picker is really well positioned to maybe sell computers at cost, but then upsell $200 warranties, which would basically be all profit because this is their market and they have tons of traffic for it. So Yeah, probably customer service in general as well. Like when your warranty expired, you can buy it from them, you know? Yeah. Like they could take I think it's a great computer. idea. Like, yeah, that would be... Like it's basically building a service behind the, the, the website. Yeah. I think that's great, actually. I think, that, I think they could do really well. And they don't necessarily have to go into the very, very low margins of selling computer components you know yeah totally and people are going there for that exact thing anyway it's just one step further yeah um so were you gonna say something else no i was gonna jump onto the next site actually yeah cool let's do it all right cool so the next site is actually a site um that is in the in the post as well that's 50em.com and that site is a seven pages website so that's definitely more doable, something like that tomorrow than a PC Part Picker, although PC Part Picker is a good inspiration on tools. That one is literally a website that's entirely dedicated to compare Infusionsoft and Entreport. Both of them are business automation platforms that try to do everything. They try to do like a shopping cart, membership platform, email marketing tool and automation and you know sales platform, all of that at once for you know small and medium businesses that sell around... I think it, you can start from like $300 per month for Infusionsoft, and it goes all the way to like a couple thousand dollars per month. They have extremely lucrative affiliate programs. I'm not excited to actually write about these at some point because I've actually used both personally. But like the Infusionsoft affiliate program historically paid $8,000 per sale, and the Entreport affiliate program pays 25% per sale. But you know, Entreport starts at like 300, 299 or 399. Let me actually check how much it is right now. But basically, you know, every sale is like 75 bucks per month or something, at least. So it works pretty well. Oh, actually, they have a new basic $79 per month, but it's only a thousand contacts. So realistically, it starts at $297 per month. So you get around like 75 bucks per sale per month for Entreport or $1,000 for Infusionsoft. So high paying affiliate program. And so that guy literally just writes about both because a lot of people that are looking to buy, that are looking to buy a business automation platform, they get you know in front of both of these products and they are the, the big ones. There is a lot of other tools and we're gonna talk about that in a second. 
and you know they're wondering which one's best for them and it's the sales material from both companies is pretty terrible so they're looking for like user feedback essentially and what's interesting is the they're going after vs keywords so they're not going just for like entrepot review infusionsoft review classic ones they're going for entrepot versus infusionsoft and i think that's probably their biggest keywords and i know for a fact that that site makes five figures per month because it was for sale i think like two a year or two ago on a very popular sales uh, you know website brokering platform one thing that i like about them as well is that they actually offer support for people that want to ask questions about infusionsoft entrepot so you can actually either live chat with them and you can or you can send them a contact form and essentially what they're doing is they're treating it like their own product because the commissions are so high right if they sell an infusionsoft at 1000 bucks I'm happy to have a live chat for a thousand bucks, right? Even I'm happy to have 10 live chats for a thousand bucks. I think that's, you can definitely build that around. And so like, I like that they focus on high paying programs and then they essentially treat it as their own product. Now, in terms of like potential growth, these guys, these guys, they're kind of left behind that. The site hasn't been updated in like years and a lot of like competitors are coming into that market and so on. But like, there's so many other products that do that kind of stuff right now. Like, we recommend Active Campaign. It's definitely better priced, and it's not going to make as much money for affiliate. I can tell you because we make not a lot from Active Campaign, despite having made a lot of sales from recommendations. But there's also Drip. There's also even like Mailchimp and Aweber and all these things. They start doing the stuff that Entrepot and Infusionsoft have been doing, and oftentimes better. And so like. They're kind of like missing on that part, and I feel like if they wanted to grow, they would just need to expand that and try to rank for all these keywords. And overall, talk about IT solutions for small businesses in general. So, for example, email solutions. So, Google Suite, for example, or like you know, there's like Zoho, I think, that provides business emails, that kind of stuff. So, I think, I think, yeah, they have like a good potential for growth doing that. Also, I think. Improving their content would be much better. They don't have a single screenshot of any of the apps. I don't even know if the guy ever touched them, although he seems to know what he's talking about. But like, it's like if I'm asking myself that question, the business readers, the people that run businesses that read, they probably ask themselves the same question. So there's definitely room for improvement here, especially when you also consider the site hasn't been updated in like two or three years, and these platforms have. So. Let's just run through a few things that I think is really interesting about that. And I don't think you necessarily need to go for Infusionsoft versus Entrepot. There's plenty of very high-paying affiliate programs out there. There's even a whole website called highpayingaffiliateprograms.com, literally listing them. So yeah, if you're looking for that, go for that. We also have a blog post that lists affiliate programs for that. So you can check that. But three things that are interesting. One, they go for VS keywords. And very few affiliates go for these. And they can be highly lucrative and very, very low competition, like much less than best keywords, etc. So VS keywords are interesting, especially when you go for high paying stuff, even though they don't necessarily have a lot of traffic. Two, the live chat and the contact forms on high value pages visitors. Like I actually believe we should do that on Atari Hacker for like the best keyword tools type posts, etc. that we have that generate decent traffic. Like we you know, we have a support person for Atari Hacker anyway. Why don't we actually train them to help people pick the right tool and then essentially make commissions just by having them pick up a few more live chats, you know? And third of all is like the high commission issues, the fact that they're not really going, like that site makes five figures per month and really it has very little traffic, very little domain authority. The only reason it works so well is because, well, the commissions are so high. So there's an aspect of both like picking your niche correctly, but also probably negotiating higher commissions is like an instant boost to revenue. So that's why I quite like that site. And just the fact that it's seven pages, it's amazing that that site does so well, actually. I don't know. What do you think about that site? Yeah, I love it. It's like this really weird example of like beauty and simplicity. Because, you know, like I've seen one-page sites, one-page affiliate sites and be okay or whatever. This site's like seven pages, but it's been around for like how many years? Five years or something? Uh, yeah, like, I've, been, I've been seeing it since, uh, like, since I do yeah. marketing, so yeah. And what makes it work is that the commissions are so high and the commissions stack on top of each other, at least for Entreport. Yeah. So for Entreport, it's not necessarily about getting a bunch of commission per sale, but every time you make a commission, they stack on top of each other. So if you make 10 sales a month, 
after six months or whatever the average retention rate is, you know, it adds up to what, like 30 or 40 of those recurring commissions every month. And I'm sure he makes a few more than 10 sales per month, which is really awesome. But yeah, what I like about this site is that there's beauty in the simplicity. And also there's a lesson in a slightly different non-Amazon affiliate model where you're finding higher commission products and you don't need as much traffic. I love the site. Yeah, pretty simple, but it works. As I said, like, go check the, the affiliate programs post. I think if you type like best effort programs with number one Google now, don't quote me, it might change by the time you listen to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you, you've made a massive list of affiliate programs. So if you're looking for high paying stuff, I recommend you go check that post actually. But let's jump onto the next site. Next site, also one of my favorites. You probably have seen this if you are on Reddit at all or if you are into novelty gifts. It is called thisiswhyimbroke.com. The idea behind this site is that it curates a bunch of novelty items. Uh, So really weird stuff, wacky stuff, stuff that's like hyper strange. And it curates them into a list uh, so that it's basically a browsing site where you're browsing like all these strange stuff. It's kind of like Sky Mall except cooler and a lot more updated and a lot more current. So I don't know exactly how this site started I feel like my memory tells me it was started on Reddit. I think I remember this guy posting in the entrepreneur subreddit about his site. But basically, it's a curation site for all these wacky things. One of the things I really like about this site is just the extreme focus on fun. I feel like you could contribute most of this site's success to just the raw fun factor that it presents. And again, if we're looking at the traffic here, there is, uh, and the traffic sources, There's overall two and a half million visits per month. Less than 30% of that traffic is coming from search and less than 5% is coming from social. So most of the traffic, 61% or around 65% is coming from direct or referral sources. So again, I think that's a testament to just how fun this site is and how creating a really good site with really good user experience with a really high fun factor or high viral factor maybe can help you get traffic that's not necessarily reliant on Google or social media. People are typing in this site just because they like it. And if you go to this site and browse for just a couple of seconds, you can probably see why. So I think that that's the branding, actually. I think that's like super strong. I had a friend that used to have a website called What the Fuck Should I Make for Dinner? dot com and the site was getting like something like seven or eight thousand views per day just because (laughs) like without ranking for anything and all that would do is it would randomly link to an easy recipe on a recipe site you know and people would just like it's basically like a roulette for recipes you should do and then he started doing like advertising and then putting like uh, clickbank paleo uh, cooking book offers that kind of stuff on it as well like he didn't get rich out of it but it was definitely working well, despite the fact that there was absolutely no effort for traffic. And I think that's like a good testament of like branding your site properly. If you want to go for that viral social type stuff, then putting like slightly outrageous names is what works for your stuff. And usually pretty simple design that goes with it. Like it needs to feel slightly amateurish. You know, if it looked too slick, people would be like, oh, corporate sellout kind of stuff. And that wouldn't work on Reddit, you know. But if it's like slightly amateurish, with, you know, monetization but not overly done and slightly crazy name, then that works very well. And I think if you want to do social media, that's how you do it. Yeah, it reminds me of that site called, and I know we're probably cussing a lot on this podcast, so if you're <laughs> under 10 years old, close your ears. But it, it's it's like that site, uh, the, thefuckingweather.com. And it was like you would type in your zip code and it would just tell you, like, it's fucking cold outside. Yeah. <laughs> and, like... That was it. And I think it's declined quite a bit now. And it gets like 30,000 hits a month, but it used to be really high. But that's the um, kind of stuff that gets traffic from messengers and Skypes, etc. You know, like people sending yeah. it to each other or email, like emailing yeah. it to each other. And this why I'm broke is kind of a prime example of that. There are quite a few novelty sites that have popped up in its wake, but it, to my knowledge, was one of the first. If you look at the site, too, one of the interesting things is that there's not a huge investment in content. If you click on, or the front page is basically just a short description of a bunch of different products, and then 
there are affiliate links right on there. If you click through the to the reviews, it's that same short description. And then again, there are a bunch of products afterwards, right? So there's a very small investment in content. It's mostly all of the effort, all of the resources seem to be put into finding and curating the weirdest possible things. So there's not a lot of like really good content here. But that's the something thing, that shocks, sorry, I'm just, it's something yeah, that shocks ahead. a lot of SEO people. It's like, oh my God, there's not so much content. It's all duplicate, etc. But it's like, when you don't care about Google, like they don't, definitely they don't. At, like their DR58 for the size of the site, it's super low. It's like, it doesn't matter. You don't need original content. And that's why it's interesting with these social business models. It's like the costs of running the business tend to be much lower because you don't need to spend all that money in either paying for content all that time. You could post 20 times a day if you find 20 items on This Is Why I'm Broke as a single person, you know? But on an SEO side, you cannot post 20 times per day. So yeah, it's, I, I just, it's something that a lot of people that I talk to are shocked about that you can have a successful website without original content. But yeah, when you're curating and social media, it's like completely different rules. It doesn't matter. It's, it's not bad to have duplicate content or curated content. It's just bad for search engines. Yeah, one of my favorite interviews I've ever done was with uh, Matt Paulson, who's a really cool guy. He's over at mattpaulson.com. He has a really great internet marketing business. And talking to him, he had been burned by Google before, and he said basically that exact same thing. He's like, you know, there are hundreds of ways to get traffic. We focus on everything but Google. And it's a good business model if you want to build a site that's pure fun, if you want to build a tool, if you just don't like being reliant on Google. There are other ways to do it. And this is an affiliate site that applies a lot of the principles that we talk about when we're talking about making money with affiliate commissions that just doesn't use Google. So it's one of the cool things about the site. That said, there are a couple million visitors to this site. A third of them do come from Google. So maybe we can estimate something like half a million visitors per month are coming to the site from Google. And a lot of them, most of them, looking at their Ahrefs keywords, are coming from keywords that include the modifier GIFTS, G-I-F-T-S. So if you follow us, you know that our bread and butter are keywords like, uh, or, or that include modifiers like BEST, or that include modifiers like REVIEW. We don't talk about this modifier GIFTS all that often, and I think it's because a lot of us are creating these like hyper niche sites where there aren't that many GIFs keywords. But I do like the idea of creating a website that is only about GIFs and using that as your niche, just like there are sites dedicated only to reviews, creating a site that's only about GIFs and ranking for those keywords because they do seem to be pretty low competition. There is a lot of stuff to write about and it'd be easy to curate stuff. So that's something that, that that I really like. If you if you brand it properly, like take your fucking gift dot com or something like something like that, you know, like yeah. if you you could you could brand it in in a way that's like also fun and social. Yeah, that could be interesting. Although I would probably not put curse in the domain name, mostly because uh, if you're trying to do SEO, a lot of people will not click on it. Um, yeah. But take your damn gift dot com would probably work or something like oh here's your damn gift or something like that. Yeah. Just uh, something crazy. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, you, you can get both with gift sites. I don't know how competitive it is. I've never looked at it, to be honest, which uh, feels like uh, lackluster for me because I've looked at so many niches. But yeah, I like it. I like the. Uh, it's interesting, and I'm actually gonna look at it after. Yeah, and there are other similar websites that are the same kind of concept that focus more on SEO. So one example, if you're out there listening to the podcast and you just want to see it, it's called highconsumption.com, H-I-consumption.com. And it's basically a novelty item curated website, but it's about luxury gifts and there's more of a focus on SEO. So there's stuff like motorcycles, leather wallets, expensive cars, that sort of thing. It's not like wacky and funny, but it's uh, really close to the same thing. So... I like it because they mix also the high-paying uh, affiliate stuff. Even if they link to Amazon, right? Like 7% of 700 bucks is so much better than 7% of 5 bucks, you know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's interesting how they mix and match what we talked about for 50 EM. And essentially, this is why I'm broke. Yeah, and it's a good way to do what 
old Mark Webster used to do, which is sort of get up to the higher commission tiers by selling cheap products and then making money with the expensive products. <laughs> selling selling $1 SIM card cutters. Not, not yeah. sure that was the best business strategy initially when we were just getting started, but hey, you know, we started that. And they're doing it here. So uh, a few of the most interesting things to me about this site, I think, are in the opportunities for growth. So first one, again, some basic SEO stuff. Write more content for high-priority keywords you're already ranking for. If you're ranking for a keyword and you're spot number one and you only have like 100 words on the page, if you just add you know, a thousand words, you can rank for a lot more keywords probably instantly, right? So some basic SEO content stuff I think is a really big opportunity for them. I think there's a huge FBA opportunity. Finding your own wacky gifts on Alibaba, setting up Amazon FBA, and just promoting them yeah. on the front page of the website, I think for these guys would be absolutely massive. And then the last thing idea, or, or the last idea I had for these guys for growth would be like a novelty box subscription service. I was just looking at these a couple of days ago, and mm. there are subscription services that are literally just mystery boxes. And I think that could be a great move for these guys. Like, hey, pay $20 a month, and we'll send you a box every month with a mystery, like, wacky or cool gadgets in it. And that could be really good for these guys. I don't get the sense that they necessarily want to do that. When I look at the site, the sense I get is that they want it to be more or less hands-off. They're paying a cheap VA to go curate products. If they did want to take it to the next level, I think there's a really high ceiling for making your own products for the site. What do you think? Do you see any opportunities here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's like it's funny because every time we talk about growth, it's like, oh, start your own service, you know? Or like, start, yeah. start have your own product, which <laughs> a lot of people don't want to do, to be honest. So, you know, they probably thought about that. It's like, we're not like rocket scientists here. I just figured out something. But like at the same time, you know, it's like affiliate will definitely have a thing, especially with Amazon, you know, like it's, it's going to be hard to make like a million a month with Amazon. I think uh, I think even Wire Cutter was like 100K or something or something. I don't know how much they made per month, but a lot, um, you know, this business is making much more essentially even when you're the top of the industry. Yeah, so I have a feeling that every time we tell people how to grow, it's like start your own service. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of people don't want to do that, but at the same time, and I, we've shown that, like, we have this um, how to make money blogging blog post where we show that the you know the profit margin is actually higher on affiliate usually, and it's more hands off. But at the same time, the gross revenue is like four times higher when you own the product, and so essentially that's an interesting thing that these affiliate sites they're the perfect lifestyle business in the sense that you know I'm sure they don't work a lot on this now, and it makes enough money for them to have a really good life. But if you want to go to the next level, then you actually need to essentially go up the site scale. We have this like site, um, stage one, stage two, stage three site model. And this one, it's still stage one, I would say. You know, even though it's not reviews, yeah. I would it still is. say it's still stage one, like essentially on-page conversions. And when you get to these things, you have, you have to like build a community, build an email list, manage that email list, manage your social media, etc. And the the amount of resources and time and attention it takes is uh, it gross. So that's an interesting one. It's like when you have a site like this way I'm broke, do you try to take it to like stage two and stage three where you build a community, et cetera, or build a box service, or do you build another site? And a lot of people tend to prefer building another site these days, mostly because I think I feel marketing pays really well still, even though Amazon changed the rates and everything. Yeah. We're, st we're, still in a, we're still in a world where it's just easier to build another site and use money to like build links and do all that stuff or build a team to to build more sites than necessarily you know going up uh, in building a, a great site which is i actually believe that's going to change in the future you know it's like maybe in 10 years we'll listen to our podcast we'll be like oh that was the good times you know but but yeah that's that's essentially my feeling about like the the growth stuff so let's just jump onto the next site and i'm going to talk about datingadvice.com, which is a pretty big site. They get half a million visits per month, roughly. And they talk about dating, uh, as the domain says. What I really like is, for me, they're like a good example of like what a notary site should look like. It's very clean. There is no advertising on the site. It's very well defined what they want to talk about. And they don't even have like strong CTAs. Like, you know, there's no pop-ups, etc. like we use, which you know, to be honest, feels real to me and tells me that it's probably owned by some kind of like big media 
conglomerate that doesn't care too much about profit at this moment and just wants to like grow it as an asset more than they want to make a ton of money. However, they do review dating networks and that's how they make money right now. And they rank really well for the review terms for dating networks. And I think that's uh, pretty cool. And it, it seems like they do quite well because they actually do AdWords, AdWords PPC, to drive traffic to their review content as well. So if you type a bunch of dating keywords on Google US, then actually you will not only see them on the top organic spot, but you will also see them on the AdWords spot, which I find it, I find what they're doing uh, very interesting. What I find a little bit weird is they're only reviewing dating networks where they could go much further. They could review books on dating. They could review maybe outfits for dates and like maybe even like, you know, they could, could go to like the appearance improvement. So like not full health, but like, you know, how to like have a better smile, etc. Like you could go almost that far with the dating side. I was excited about dating. They could talk about traveling with like locations for romantic holidays or the best place for singles to travel, that kind of stuff. And they could sell stuff like dating training and so on. I'm very surprised they've stuck to dating networks, but you know they seem to do pretty well. I'm almost certain the site is, is break-even, at least with what they're doing. I feel also they're probably selling sponsored content. Otherwise, I, I mean, although I haven't, you know, seen that explicitly displayed on the site, it seems like in their news section they they are putting forward several dating apps, etc. That I think they they're getting paid for. If they don't disclaim it, it's actually it's actually against the FTC stuff. So I don't know. Let's see. I think they could do some light advertisement as well. I feel they like they want it clean. I understand why they're doing that. They want to be like the best in the industry and they want the best experience. But I feel like some light advertisement, like guys like the penny holder do, for example. You know, like they make. I think they make like 32 million per year, but they still put two media.net ads on their content usually, and I think that makes. You know, that pays for a lot of the running costs of the company. Also, their social media and their forum is, is pretty bad. So I feel, you know, they're doing well. They're doing the review stuff. But I feel there's a big disconnect between all the info content that they have and then the few review pages that seem to be making all the money, despite the fact that they're probably selling uh, sponsored content as well. But the reason why I, I picked them, actually, is two reasons. First, they're actually doing a good job at hiring people that were blogging about dating before that site existed, and essentially get them to write for them. And they're using their social presence and everything to essentially promote their stuff. And they're using their faces to essentially give themselves credibility as a website. So they have like their, they have a bunch of people writing for them, but they're like, if you go on the homepage, they have like six people that are featured, and they've all been like dating experts or relationship experts for a really long time. And they have the CV that goes with it, and they piggyback write the CV of these writers, even though they, they don't necessarily write a lot for the site, to essentially say, look, we're the place where all the experts come to write, and then they put probably cheaper writers to write most of the content. And I like as well that they have so much content on the site. There's like 21,000 posts or something, and uh, they're doing a good job at like long-tail SEO targeting these. Like They have like 600 words articles that will probably get like 100 visits per month or something, but it adds up to a crazy amount. What's shocking me is that they're not using that long-tail traffic to info content to either build a list or to you know, promote stuff or have advertisement. It's, it's a little bit weird how it runs, but I find the site so clean and so representative of like a topic-based site like we're talking about that it's worth taking a look at that site. I don't know what you think about that site. Yeah, so one of the things, looking at this site, I agree it's really clean. They're ranking for lots of great review keywords. The really low-hanging fruit would be building a list to me, a really simple autoresponder that rips out emails, that makes value, and then just linking to different products. I think would be great here, especially because the website is so highly categorized, so there's categories for... Senior dating, black dating, gay dating, lesbian dating, uh, it'd be really easy to just write some quick email funnels tailored to those groups of people and then drip out products to them. And if you've ever looked at the, at the dating niche, you'll know that the info products and stuff are huge. So that would be really low-hanging It's not just them. that, right? It's like the cruises for single people, etc. You know, like you could yeah, make some tons, decent commissions for these, like group holidays and all that stuff. I just feel like it's they need to adapt like to the single people's lifestyle, not just the dating stuff, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, and just building a list will be, I feel like, so easy. And then you could promote hundreds of different products over the course of a year or something. Like, they've got money. They've got all of these writers. You could just, you know, set up an autoresponder to drip out 50 emails over the course of a year, once a week or whatever. And I'm sure that there's a lot of money to be made here. Yeah, but, and yeah. they can keep the site pretty clean with the. They don't need to be super aggressive with the opt-ins, you know, like probably like some kind of like slide in from the site, maybe, mm-hmm. or like a hello bar type thing, and maybe at the bottom of posts, you know, like that can be to that level, and they they could probably make quite a bit more money. I just feel like that's a site that was financed by like millions from some kind of publishing yeah. company probably makes some money with affiliate but doesn't necessarily have a proper roadmap so yeah it's really similar to the stuff that you see from say a media company like hearst media where they're basically they start or buy sites in a whole bunch of different niches and the focus is essentially on just acquiring assets and having more traffic more page views so yeah i feel like it doesn't have the hands-on feel as like a single owner where they're trying to maximize the value of every single visitor for the site. Yep. Uh, so there's some money that that's leaving on the table, but maybe they don't care. If you were a site owner, Gail, how would you apply the stuff that you are learning from datingadvice.com to your own site? I mean, I would try to like piggyback, right? Like if I jumped into a niche where I know nothing, like finding people that write for that niche and even like if you commission a single article from them, and like find five or six and essentially put their face on your homepage is a great way to to like establish yourself as an authority from day one, you know? And then essentially make a page for these people. Even though they write a single article, it doesn't matter, you know? You just list them as a writer for the site. And like that's a quick way to establish yourself in an authority, in an industry, especially if it's not super competitive. And second is the long tail SEO. Like as I said, they have like twenty one thousand articles. It's just they're not really using that traffic very efficiently. But if I mean, they use it in the sense that it gets links to them that helps their review keywords rank, right? But, you know, a couple blocks of that, rather, and they could make pretty decent money, all the email list, as you say, or even both. And it also is a really good showcase of what we're talking about on all our trainings where we're like, well, you know, it's hard to build links to money pages. Like, it's not the easiest thing to do, so build info content. It will get links and your whole site will rank well. Well, that's exactly what these guys have done. And look at the rankings they have for these pretty competitive dating keywords. They're like really crushing it. And yeah, I think that's a great showcase of like, you know, producing full content if you want your affiliate content to rank and make money. Cool. Should we go to the last site? Yeah. Last site, also one of my favorites. It's called shutupandsitdown.com. Again, really great branding. What this site is, is a board game review and hobby site it's a really really big site it's got i think thousands of articles and it gets according to similar web like eight hundred thousand visits a month or something but the bulk of the site is about reviewing specific board games so that might sound plain and if you go look at the site and if you're looking at ahrefs and you see all of these review keywords and you're following the links to those it might look like a traditional affiliate site until you see all of the other things that these two guys are doing. And I think it was two guys to start, and now they have a little bit of a team. But, And I wish I knew their names. I should because I've watched so much of their stuff. But they've got this website, but they also started a really great podcast about board games, and they have a really, really good YouTube channel about board games. I like to think of them as sort of the top gear of board games. But the focus for the site is built around these two guys' personalities. So they do review individual products, but most of the time people are coming there because they know these two guys really know what they're talking about. They enjoy watching their YouTube videos. They trust what they are saying about board games. And as somebody who has been getting into board games in the last couple of years, there are thousands and thousands of options out there. It's super daunting to go try to find a good board game and you don't want to waste like 60 or 70 or 80 bucks. So finding an expert is what I wanted to do. I found these guys, and I haven't looked at any other board game sites since then. So one of the things that's really cool to me is that they built a site basically around their personalities. The other cool thing that they do is they take donations. So there's a big donate button in the sidebar. I actually reached out to them to see how well it's working for them, and they did not email me back, but 
the donation button has been there for years, and so I think it's safe to assume that it's probably working on some level. Um, I don't know if they have a Patreon or anything, but they do take donations via PayPal. So I don't think they could do that if they didn't have such strong personalities, if they didn't have a really dedicated fan base. But since they do, it probably works for them. The other cool thing about this niche that is really easy to replicate if you can find a similar niche or a sub niche is that there are basically infinite review keywords. So there are new board games coming out all the time. There's already thousands of board games out now. If you just take the name of the board game plus review, there's probably some traffic to be had for it, especially for obscure board games that, you know, might have a couple of fans, but there's not a, you know, big cult following or whatever. They've found a niche where there's basically an infinite number of review keywords, and that's where a lot of the traffic comes from. And then the last thing that I love about this site is that it's strongly user-focused, so they write reviews even if there is no affiliate program for it. So if you can't buy the board game on Amazon, you can only go to a you know mom-and-pop website and buy it from there. They will still write the review and just link to that site so that they can get sales and so that their user can buy a good board game. But it's one of my favorite sites. They're doing a lot of things well, and I think there's a lot of room for growth. Have you seen the site before, Gail? I think you showed it to me, actually. I think that's like a typical case of like transforming a passion into a business, you know? Yeah. It's like, and I'm not always advising people to do that, but in that case, it was an easy one. Because like a board game is like the, exact, it's the sweet price range for something to sell as an affiliate. You know, it's not too expensive, but it's not too cheap. And it's like these guys had like personalities, and they were not afraid to get in front of the camera. And that works pretty well. I'm not sure about the donation. To be, I've never seen like donations work super mega well. Like on Patreon, I've seen it, but like otherwise, I don't know. I really like how they do it though. Like they have packages that are really funny. Like they have like thanks for saving me money. I really love what you guys do. I want to help you grow. Let's get extravagant. Keep it professional. And I'm a wizard when you give like fifty dollars per month. And they encourage people to like donate monthly, which is probably a better way of doing it given the traffic. I mean, I'm sure they make some money, but, you know, they're probably not millionaires from donations. However, if you mix that with affiliate commissions, then I think that's great. Can you imagine, like, you make an affiliate site and people make donations because you because you recommend good, good products? It's, like, yeah. pretty cool, actually. So I like it. I like that they also started a podcast in a very unconventional topic, like board games, and still has, like, more downloads than our podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it has like I see the last episode has thirteen thousand five hundred downloads, which is actually really good for a podcast. So, yeah, kudos to these guys. It's, it's actually a cool site, and I like also how you can see they buy everything. Like they're they're a good site that shows how to. I'm not, I don't think the reviews are necessarily like amazing in terms of content, but although some of them are really deep actually, but I like the fact that they actually own the games, they take their own pictures, they build their own media around that, etc. And that's probably the future of affiliate marketing where you'll really need to get your hands on physical products to really make a dent to an industry. So uh, that is a good example on how to do that essentially. Yeah, and I think there's a good lesson here in just combining the media. So like Mm. they've got the blog, they've got a podcast that has lots of downloads, I haven't listened to it a lot, but I'm sure they are monetizing that somehow if their YouTube channel is any indication. So on their YouTube channel, it's not huge, but they do have tens of thousands of views on every one of their videos, sometimes 100,000. And in their description, they link back to either their blog post where people can buy the game through their affiliate link or they put the affiliate link right in the description. So They've got a blog that's probably doing pretty well, but they're also monetizing all of the other media associated with their brand, which could be a lesson for you if you are in a passion niche and you don't mind talking about your product, either just on the microphone for a podcast or getting in front of a camera for a YouTube channel. So that's one way you could apply it. When I'm looking at growth potentials, it's on one hand, the same old story. You could always come out with your own board game which might be a better opportunity here than it would be for the other guys. When we're talking about coming out with your own product for the sites that we've been talking about so far in this podcast, it's a money play. These guys, probably it would be more of a passion play and it could be a really cool product. If there are people who have played thousands of board games, they review board games for a living and they're really doing it and they're involved in that world, they probably could create a really cool product and they would have a fan base to support it. 
if they didn't want to create their own product, one cool thing I think they could do was partner with Kickstarters in exchange for some equity. So if you didn't know this about board games on Kickstarter, it's a really big industry. They pop up all the time on Kickstarter because they're cheap to create, but the ideas can be really good. So I think Shut Up and Sit Down is really well positioned to partner with those people as a promotion channel in exchange for a little bit of the equity. So, you know, you never know when you're going to run across a hit like Cards of Humanity or something. So they could, you know, do more of an investor type thing here just because there are so many of these products on crowdfunding platforms. So those are the ideas I had for growth. I know that you weren't focusing on this site, Gail, but if you, just off the top of your head, if you own this site, what do you think would be your next step? I actually disagree on building your own board game. So, like, the cool thing is, like, reviewing stuff and doing it really well. And I feel like when people have their own competing product, it's hard, like, it's hard to take them as, as objectively as they would be if they don't, you know? So they might lose a little bit of that credibility here if they have it. However... I think they could be consultants for board game companies. They would essentially give feedback before the board game comes out and either get equity or get paid good money for that. Being a promotion channel for stuff they really like and partnering with stuff, I think it's really good. But I also really think that in some industries, it's better to be on top of the critic channel than being an average player in the product channel. Right. And that's one of the reasons was with like Atari Hacker, I refuse to do software, you know? Because I want to be able to like essentially be 100% objective and not have any... I mean, we get affiliate commissions when we recommend stuff, but we don't really... We try to really not care about how much they pay. And the fact that recommend active campaigns is a good example. They're, like, horrible as an affiliate commission. <laughs> it's really, really bad. Like, some sales, we get 90 cents, right? Um, <laughs> so, but, like, that gives us that objectivity, or, like, we try to be objective at least, that would go away instantly as soon as we start selling our own software. I know how jaded people would be in the industry if we did that. They, they would not necessarily trust our reviews the same way, and I think it would work the same way with these guys. So I actually think like being that kind of like medium for other companies and kind of like knowledge holder of like what's good in a board game that they can sell for a lot of money is probably a better position to be for them. Yeah, going off of that, I think there is also maybe some room for sponsored reviews and sponsored honest reviews. We find this all the time in the video game industry. Yeah. Video game developers will pay like streamers for reviews, but the stipulation is always that it will be an honest review and the reviews always are actually honest and it's not uncommon for a developer to pay for a review and to get a crap review. But just having the platform to have a really trusted reviewer look at your thing and tell people what they think, good and bad, is something people would pay for. And I think if they don't do that already, it could be a good opportunity for them. Yeah, we've done that with Ahrefs actually. When they released the Cured Explorer, they actually paid us to make a video of like what we think to people. Right. And like we promoted it on Facebook and on YouTube, etc. But yeah, it was paid for by Ahrefs, but like, you know, you're not scripted. You're like, I'll just look at it and make a video. And your only deliverable is you make a video, whatever you say in there, you know. So, yeah, that works really well. And, uh, and you know, as I said, like, they, they work as a medium. Their goal is to capture as much of the audience as possible and sell access to it, either through affiliate reviews when they're not directly paid unless they make sales, or just through uh, sponsored reviews. Maybe if people wanted a little bit more exposure on the site, that kind of stuff. That's what they can do. And I think that's cool. I really like that, that lifestyle. And also that, that ties back to the owning the product versus just running affiliate size debate we had a little bit earlier. If you want to be in between, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, totally. So as far as applying the stuff that Shut Up and Sit Down is doing to your own site, I think there may be some easy stuff and some hard stuff you could do. Easy stuff, try asking for donations. Why not? You can set that up in like 30 seconds in PayPal or you can go set up like a Patreon or something. I do think it's probably going to work better if your personality is somewhere on your site or in other media. So if you get a podcast or something, it's probably If you have easier. a really good site, like it needs to be really good. Otherwise, people yeah. will not donate. Right, yeah. Your brand has to be good. They have to know and trust you, that sort of thing. If you look at people who are most successful on Patreon, it's people like Smarter Every Day, which is a YouTube channel. Tons of money on Patreon, but everybody loves the host of that show. But... The idea is that it's very easy to just set up and try it. It would take less than an hour. 
The other thing you could do is try to find subsets in your niche that have those quote unquote infinite review keywords. So maybe there's something in your niche or maybe there's a niche you want to write about. Maybe you have a hobby where there's new stuff coming out all the time, especially if it's in more of an evergreen industry like board games. You know, board games don't go out of date necessarily, although they do sometimes, but you can still play a board game whenever. It's just that new stuff is always coming out. So not like computer parts where stuff gets outdated, but if there's an area of your niche where there's just new stuff coming out all the time that you can review, try tackling those review keywords or finding that source of infinite review keywords. So that's sort of easy stuff. Hard stuff is infusing your brand with your own personality, with a podcast, by putting your face on your website, by starting a, a YouTube channel. It can help you maybe collect donations, but you can also monetize all that stuff in different ways with affiliate links, sponsored content, native ads, that sort of thing. So, yeah, it increases trust as well anyway. People will convert yeah. more on your other stuff. So, yeah, I also agree with the like, uh, like finding subsets of your niche where new stuff comes out all the time. I feel like something we do a bad job at Atari Hacker is um, yeah. reviewing new stuff that comes out, you know? And like jumping on it ASAP so that it's like we're covering the new thing, not necessarily a tool that's like four months old, five months old. I feel yeah. like, you know, I check all these YouTube channels all the time, right? Like for phones and for computers, etc. Like I'm really onto technology and like I every time there's something new that's announced or something, I, I check the MKBHDs and like Techno Buffalo and all that these guys and I just feel like there's that kind that that's the way you build a, a followership, right? Like talking about the news with your own angle slash critical sense and uh you can write the news as well as you do that right so when the new iphone comes out like these channels review it and everyone's typing iphone 8 or whatever it's coming up next time on youtube and that's a great way for them to get exposure so yeah writing the news with the review stuff is a great way to both make money and grow your audience i think and get the most excited fans of that niche to to like discover you so looking at all of these websites, these five plus a couple of extras that we've talked about, overall, what do you think are the takeaways for people who are maybe looking at these same sites or who want to go out and find some other sites that they can do this exercise with? Like, what's the takeaway for somebody trying to apply this sort of exercise to their own site? I mean, first of all, there's an exercise I would recommend people do is put all these sites in a blog post. And there's more, right? There's 11 sites. So go check the blog post. It's authorityhacker.com backslash successful hyphen affiliate hyphen websites hyphen examples. Yeah, you can see that's an old URL where we didn't care at all about making it short and easy. <laughs> and that is the way. But like, yeah, like I would recommend, like I've done it with RunnerClick, I've done it with a bunch of sites and even NerdWallet and so on. You can go check these sites, the first version that came out on archive.org. And a lot of these sites, you look at them and you'll be like, there's no way I can do something like that. It's too much. Like, and it's true. You cannot necessarily build a site that is that strong in the first version. We can't. So if you can, that's great for you, but we can't. However, if you put these sites and find a V1 of that site with archive.org, you'll see how most of them were sites that you and I couldn't build, like, especially with the tools that we have today. I mean, I've been playing with the new Strive Architect recently, and it's really good. And I can see how you'd be able to build like really nice-looking professional sites, much better than Strive Content Builder, with it. And all these tools that these people didn't have back then, you can build better sites than they had in their V1 today, and essentially grow to where they are right now over time. It's just not something that you get right away. I also feel that alternative angles tend to do really well. So like the, the first example is like 50EM, right? The, the seven pages site, the first one I talked about. I just feel that it's so easy, but the guy was like, okay, there's a bunch of money in that. There's no competition. Let me just write this quick website. It was probably built in like two weeks, you know? And then with improvement, it was a five-figure website. So they didn't just like make the generic Amazon site. And while all this stuff works, and we talk about this in the auto-site system, like affiliate sites definitely work. It's good to try to infuse some personality slash different angles in these things. And these things, like, apart from showing you examples of people that have come up with a unique angle, we cannot tell you exactly how to copy-paste it. We can show you the basics, we can show you all that, but you're going to have to scratch your head. You're going to have to look at a lot of these websites so that you can train your mind at coming up with angles that are not 
necessarily as explored as you know the classic affiliate sites. Yeah, I think my takeaway here, looking at all these sites, looking at the blog posts that you wrote initially, and then doing my own exercise of finding other sites to update the blog post, is just to take the basic model and to think outside the box. So we've got this basic model, the model that we teach in the authority site system. We know it works. We know it's profitable. We make money with it. Our students make money with it. However, there's so many other opportunities and there's so many other fun, creative ways to make money with affiliate sites, some of which are even more profitable than the stuff that we're currently doing, that it's worth taking the time to seek out the stuff or the people who are doing it differently than you, the people who've never heard about what you're doing, and to see what lessons you can steal from them and then apply to your own site. It also shows like how much depth you can have into a website when you apply all these different angles and things you can do, you know? It's like it's not just writing reviews, it's like all these these other different angles, like these VS keywords, these tools, these quizzes, these uh, all of that, you can do that on a single site. So I also see a lot of people jumping on many sites. Sometimes you can just take that one site you're working on and just find one of these angles and add it to it and you know, generate some extra revenue. It's often simpler to do that than starting a new site from scratch. So yeah, be a bit creative. Don't log yourself and you know, try new things. Not everything's going to work, but that's okay, especially if you already have a base site that makes money. Like it's pretty easy to build essentially. So yeah, that's about it. I guess we're gonna close it here because we've been talking for a long time, Perrin. Uh, yeah, we have. <laughs> so thanks for listening, guys. If you want to check the original post, it's uh, ataryhacker.com/successful-affiliates-websites-examples. Terrible URL, I know, but that is an old work post, and we didn't really optimize Atari Hacker at the beginning, so that's why it's like that. But still, Warsaw has been updated recently, so if you've seen it before, go check it out again. There's 11 sites in total, so more than we talked today, talked about today. It also links to all the affiliate programs these sites use and shows you the exact examples, etc. And yeah, that's about it. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.